if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. On AM 1420, The Answer. Welcome to the Bob France Authority of the Bob France Authority. Rob Walgate sitting in for Bob today. Derek, we made it through the first hour. Unscathed. Well, <laughs> unscathed. If they would have seen seen us running around when when our headphones were dead for the first uh, three or four minutes, I don't know, unscathed, they'd see. You asked me such a serious question during the break when you looked at me and said, you can still hear me, right? <laughs> that, that's a very important question. We, we don't need to go through that again. I just no. I just dried off. <laughs> uh, you know, I know the gyms have been closed, so it was like a little workout. Well, you had a you good know? sweat. The heart rate was up. You're good. You're exactly. good. You're good for the day. You can enjoy the Friday. So, well, I appreciate everyone out there in hour number one. Hour number two, we're going to have a little fun. Uh, at the bottom of the hour, we're going to have Dave Zanotti, CEO of the American Policy Roundtable, better known as my boss. Uh, he's going to join us to talk for a segment on HR 6666. It's not a joke. That was a bill that has been introduced in Congress. And we're going to talk about that at the bottom of the hour. But in this half hour, what we want to talk about is legislation that is pending in Ohio. It's a piece of legislation that was filed yesterday in the clerk's office at the State House. It's going through the process of being engrossed. It's being given a bill number. It will be next week uh, assigned to a committee. It will be introduced. All the fun stuff that that is a part of the legislative process. Because remember, if we want to see laws change, we have to go about them the right way. It's not a sprint. I don't want it to be a marathon. I don't want it to take forever. But it can't be a sprint because you have to do things correctly to make sure that we don't run into a situation again like we've ran into now and some of you are saying well what does that law look like what would ideal legislation look like and this could be model legislation that people could do all across the country because if there's one thing that we've seen during the past 10 12 weeks we've seen directors of the Department of Health, we've seen health departments, we've seen governors, we've seen attorney generals believe that they are the lawmaking body when they're not a body at all, they're one person. But yet they feel like they're the ones 
who set the laws, who put them in place. So we've come up with some concepts that are in a piece of legislation. We, When I say we, I don't mean we as in we, the American Policy Roundtable. We've helped. We've had the discussion. This isn't about credit. This isn't about who gets a pat on the back for doing it. This is about doing it the right way because all Ohioans benefit if it's done the right way. That's been the, the interesting thing to see around the state is when you look at our law right now in 3701.13 of Ohio Revised Code, it talks about ultimate authority for the director of the Department of Health. Well, is that a good thing? Now, some out there may be saying, yes, it's a great thing, and the reason you're saying that is because you agree with what the current director of the Department of Health has done with orders in regards to times of isolation and quarantine. If you disagreed with the director of the Department of Health, would you still think it's a good thing? Because I'm going to tell you right now, there's plenty of folks that don't agree with what the director's done and think the law needs change. But even if they agreed with the orders that have been handed down from the director of the Department of Health, they believe the law needs changed from an accountability perspective, from a checks and balances perspective. Why is one person making these decisions. So the piece of Ohio legislation, it talks about amending 3701.13 to remove the concept of unlimited authority while preserving the role to respond to epidemics or pandemics with appropriate legislative oversight. So the director of the Department of Health would still have the ability, would still have the authority to respond if something was to happen. Uh, Because when you talk about an outbreak, if we would have an outbreak of Ebola, that's much different than having an outbreak of influenza or having an outbreak of COVID-19 or having an outbreak of the measles or chickenpox. I mean, there's different rules. There's going to be different orders that need to come down. So it would take away that ability for ultimate authority and have the director still have power. It's not stripping anyone of power but it's allowing to have oversight in there. Another provision, prohibit any entity other than the General Assembly from postponing any state or local election. And this would be very consistent with the U.S. Constitution's requirement when it comes to federal elections. Like we said before, uh, the, the elections in November, in the fall, that are congressional elections, that are presidential elections, those are set. Uh, by the federal government. Uh, I, I believe I believe it's the first Tuesday after the first Monday in November is the way that it reads. Um, I'm sure someone's out there checking me now, and if I'm wrong, my phone will light up like the 4th of July, <laughs> which usually happens, but I believe that's how it reads. So it would not allow a director of the Department of Health to alter an election, as we've talked about. That's what happened in Ohio. So you had a case, and then there was chaos for about 24 hours because we know that the population, the elderly, are those that are impacted the most when it comes to COVID-19. We also know when we go to vote on election day, who are the people that work the polls more than any other as a population? It's older folks. They're serving. They're out there working to ensure the elections run smoothly. Well, you're, you would have been putting them in a very compromising position. So those of us that, those of you out there that heard us yelling and screaming about the fact of the director of the Department of Health did not have the legal authority to do what she did 
in regards to the election uh, think that we're screaming the election should have been held in person on March 17th. No, we were saying that the General Assembly, the governor should have gave a hint that he wanted to postpone the election, should have asked the General Assembly to come in and move it because they're the only ones with legal authority to move it. So now we've moved it in the state of Ohio, and we moved it in a way to where we had people voting four weeks after the election was supposed to be held. And the law to change the election date was altered roughly, I think it was the end of March, roughly eight days after the election was supposed to be held. So is that what we want? We want to set a precedent to where the General Assembly can come in and change an election date over a week after that election happened. And some are yelling at the radios right now and saying, well, the election didn't happen. Well, technically, did it happen? Because there were tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of Ohioans that voted before Election Day. It's pretty easy to vote in the state of Ohio. We have early voting. We have absentee voting. There, there, you can vote. You can show up in person at the Board of Elections within um, a roughly a four-week window and vote in the state of Ohio. So you have that opportunity. Again, I'm not saying in-person voting should have been canceled. I'm saying, or, or been held. I, see, I misspoke. See, now, now the phone will blow up. I'm not saying it should have been held on March 17th. I'm saying with all the warnings that were put out, with all the orders that were signed, why was not voting addressed sooner or at least discussed so we didn't run around in a panic and we could have done things the right way? Another concept for the legislation, limit the effective time for the director's order to 30 days under the condition that the General Assembly has taken action within five days of filing. This this process could be repeated in 30-day intervals. So it wouldn't give unlimited powers for orders. It would say that the director issues an order, and within five days, the General Assembly must meet as a body. So you're looking at, we have 99 state reps, we have 33 state senators in the state of Ohio, they would meet as a body and they would have the ability to to modify the order, approve the order, or rescind the order. But then people would have a say in it. And um, it would still allow the director to do his or her job in that role. And, and think about think about it. When the first orders were issued and we talked about shutting things down, there's no doubt in my mind, I believe the General Assembly would have went along with that first order. They would have said, this looks serious. We're not sure what's happening. A lot of people think that we're talking about these concepts and these things because they, the power, because they don't agree with what was done. I think that first order, I think many folks were, quite frankly, I think they were very concerned about what be, it was the unknown that they were concerned about. And that first order would have been approved. But that first order would have been limited to 30 days, and then another order would have had to been issued, and then the General Assembly would have to get together again because this is the way that our system is set up, or at least should be set up, to where there's an accountability mechanism, where there's a checks and balance mechanism, where there's discussion of more than one person. What what has happened is in the state of Ohio and other places around the country, we saw uh, Wisconsin, we've seen Michigan, where where governors believe that they are the lawmaking body as one person. That's not the way it was set up. Prohibit the seizure of property or impairment of private contracts without due process. If there was one screaming complaint from the business community 
through all this. It was that their voice couldn't be heard. They were defined by the government as a loser. And some people were picked as winners. They were told they couldn't do business. I mean, look at Hobby Lobby. Uh, They were sent a cease and desist letter. They were not permitted to operate. Target down the street was open. They sell crafts. So you could buy crafts at Target but not Hobby Lobby. Now, some people think that I'm advocating then that the craft section be roped off at Target. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that at all. Yeah, this isn't Michigan. Come on. That's what they did in Michigan. They roped off sections of department stores for the non-essential items. I believe coloring books were in there. If you have a kid during this, a coloring book is essential. I mean, again, the government's picking the winners and losers. We said all along, if I was Hobby Lobby, I would have put a couple pallets of toilet paper up front and said, oh, does your opinion change? Does your opinion change? So sell these, deli trays or something. Yeah, <laughs> sell something. Sell some, But this is what happened when the government picks the winners and the losers. I hear the music playing a bit in my ear, which tells me it's time to go to a break. We have more to talk about, about this legislation you're going to see come forward in Ohio and what's happening around the country on AM 1420, The Answer. You're listening to the Bob France Authority. Rob Walgate back with you on AM 1420, The Answer, the Bob France Authority. And right before the break, we were going through uh, some legislative concepts, some things you're going to see in Ohio legislation that has been filed with the clerk's office that will be introduced next week. And it's on file, so we're just waiting to go through that that process that has to happen. It'll be online. It'll be introduced to committee. It's given a bill number, all that fun stuff. We'll make sure Bob has all that information to share with you. You can get it also at aproundtable.org or thepublicsquare.com. A couple more concepts to add from it. Prohibit the general mandatory quarantine or isolation of people not exposed or medically diagnosed with the epidemic or pandemic disease. Because when you think about it, this COVID uh, pandemic is the only time in history where the where you've had people isolated and quarantined that did not have the infection. And in the state of Ohio, the authority to do that, the ultimate authority is the way the law reads, was given to the director of the Department of Health. So she has the ability to isolate and quarantine millions and millions and millions of healthy people. I mean, Kentucky went so far as to put an ankle monitor on a gentleman that that I believe lived with a sister who tested positive for covid and he wouldn't sign a quarantine order because he's like, I'm not sick. I don't need it. But they said, yeah, you've been around some of this. Therefore, you're going to be isolated and quarantined. Well, in this situation, you have millions and millions of Ohioans that have been isolated and quarantined. They don't, they wouldn't even been around people. Now, the government does want to know if you have been around people. And at the bottom of the hour, we are going to talk to Dave Zanotti from the American Policy Roundtable about HR 6666. It deals with tracing and it deals with how they're going to keep track of all of you. What is their plan? How much money are you going to have to spend? Because it's taxpayer money they want to spend on it. We're going to dive into that plan and to let you know. Another concept, place certain limitations on the conducting of tests 
for the presence or absence of a life-threatening communicable disease without the informed consent of the person tested. Testing, 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 testing. Testing, 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 testing. Isn't that all we hear about? We need to test more people. Well, we've tested those on the front lines. We've tested those in prisons. We've tested those with major symptoms. And I believe the test rate was somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 to 16%, 17%, maybe something in that. So if that's testing positive on that high end, on the people that need it the most, what's it going to be in the general population testing? Now, also, have you do you know anyone that's been tested? Because not many people I've talked to like that six-inch swab shoved up their nose. Now, Chuck Schumer, Senator Chuck Schumer, tweeted how he would like to see uh, the ability for testing more on an everyday basis that, that Americans are ready to get back to work. Who do you know that wants to get tested every day? Especially with a six-inch cotton you want, swab. You, you <laughs> want that six-inch cotton swab shoved every day when you get... And remember, that test is only for a segment in time. That segment in time. Right, because you can test positive later down the line. So you test me today, tomorrow I can contract it. You know, And it's unrealistic to actually have to test every single American before they go into work or every single day. It's unrealistic. You can't do it. Unreal. Did you ever think we'd have to talk about putting these concepts into legislation for protection? Because I'll tell you what, there's a lot of folks that have been talking about things like this for years and years and years. But did you ever think they would they would come true? Did you ever think that that this would really happen? Sure, we all talked about it a lot, but did we think it would happen in the year 2020? And you can stay say in the state of Ohio, did you think it would happen? with a Republican administration, that they would be the ones justifying it because they're smarter than all of us, they know more than all of us? Has there been anything more condescending than the 2 p.m. lectures every day for a number of it? It it, it can be frustrating. It it almost... uh... I don't know whether it bothers me of the contents or whether they both look like Dana Carvey. (laughs) (laughs) SNL skits. We're calling for SNL skits. I think that's it. And that's a perfect segue for an SNL skit we'll talk about uh, because I know uh, the old school SNL, he can make many references to uh, at the bottom of the hour. Joining us after the break will be Dave Zanotti, CEO of the American Policy Roundtable. You're listening to the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Welcome back to the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Rob Walgate sitting in for Bob today. Derek behind the glass, manning the controls that are all working. So far. Marcy helping out on the phones. Much appreciated. Last half hour we spent discussing legislative concepts that you will see in a bill that's been filed in the state of Ohio, will be introduced, and it'll be something that we will be calling on Ohioans to support across the state to encourage legislators to support. I think you will see them step up and support that. Uh, but what we want to do now is shift gears to more of a national level. And coming in to help me do that is the CEO of the American Policy Roundtable, 
and my boss, Dave Zanotti. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Rob. It seems like we were just doing this a few minutes ago. <laughs> we were last evening. <laughs> live policy briefing on YouTube. Our phones were lighting up because we got dropped from a number of places around the country. We had people all over the country watching, texting us, uh, worried. Uh, you know, one or two maybe even said Russian cover up. What's going on? So I don't know. But uh, but we've posted those. I, they seem to be back up this morning, right, Dave? At YouTube, if you search for the American well, Policy Roundtable. Yeah, it's very encouraging. You know, over a thousand people have already watched the policy briefing from last night. So uh, those, those have been uh, very well received where we're trying to take people behind the scenes as to what's going on at the federal and then the state levels regarding COVID-19 and really the question of how do we preserve our constitutional liberties at the same time that we're trying to stay healthy as a people. Well, one of the things we talked about last night and we want to get into during this segment is H.R. 6666 that was introduced in the in um, the House of Representatives in Washington, D.C. And when we first saw this legislation come across our desks, what, what was your first reaction? I know what mine was. What, what was yours? Well, I, I made I, I did the wrong thing. I uh, instantly <laughs> contacted the Round Hibble's National Legislative Director, Melanie Elsie, and I said, is this a joke? Um, and she responded back with a high degree of personal offense, saying, after all these years, a lifetime of working together, would I ever send you a bill that was a joke? And I said, I know, and I'm sorry, but how could anyone permit a piece of legislation about privacy invasions and tra- the government tracking your every move and, and and let the title or the, the number of the bill be six 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 six. I it, said it just it seems like it seems like it, it's got to be a, a, something from the Onion or the Babylon Bee or something. It can't be real. Well, they added one six, but let me read. Let me read what the bill says underneath the title of it to authorize the Secretary of Health and Human Services to award grants to eligible entities to conduct diagnostic testing for COVID nineteen and related activities such as contact tracing through mobile health units and as necessary at individuals' residences and for other purposes. Well, people might remember back before the uh, prior economic crash in 2008-2009 that there was federal money flowing to organizations like ACORN uh, that were community organizers. These community organizers would go out and basically use federal funds to register votes and to harvest votes and to get people uh, coming into the election process and cycles, it was extremely partisan, highly targeted, and it, it was very effective. Now we have a situation where the federal government is attempting to, uh, the actual Congress, the, the uh, Democrats in Congress, are attempting to get $100 billion released to pay people. I mean, this is basically a payroll bill. Let's say that number again, Dave. Say that number again. What one hundred billion? That's B with a B, B B. One hundred billion dollars to go out for salaries to pay people to go out and knock on doors and trace people and data collect uh, based upon the idea that someone may or may not have been exposed to the COVID nineteen virus, and then to trace those contacts uh, and to trace everybody that's been around you for X number of weeks, and to uh, basically to report you so that you'll be forced to quarantine. Amazing. Now, how do they want to see, how do you see H.R. 6666 being implemented, if it was to pass the House and Senate become law, how do you see it being implemented 
and technology used to complement this piece of yeah, legislation? It's all coming together, Rob. In an article at, uh, at PC Mag, which we have placed up at both the publicsquare.com and aproundtable.org, you'll find an article where the folks at Google and Apple are very transparent. Uh, instead of Android and iPhones fighting each other, Google and Apple have come together to come up with a uniform uh, app, phone app that they are giving away to state and local governments. Uh, and in that article in PC Mag, you will find the actual pictures of the screenshots of what the app will look like so that the local governmental authorities will be able to program. You'll, you'll put an app on your phone, and your phone will talk to all the other phones that are nearby and retain data so that anytime your phone is with is within a certain distance of people and there for a certain number of minutes, right now it's suggested at five minutes, there will be tracing information shared between the phones. So that if a week from now, one of the people that you were around, even whether you knew them or not, uh, one of the people you were around who might then be tested positive for COVID, an, uh, an alert would come back to your phone notifying you that you've been exposed and that you must go into immediate quarantine. Uh, this is the direction of where this is going. So it'll be tracing, tracking, and data management through this uniform app controlled by the government. And uh, then, of course, there's all kinds of existing language today about how that information will be protected and it won't be disclosed. But the very fact that it's being built and connected in and of itself is a total invasion of privacy. And it doesn't matter what the what language they wrap up around it, you're still locked in your home. So, and, of course, the manifestations of problems on this are un, unprecedented. I mean, so you're, you're telling me that, yeah, well, I, I've had two instances this week where where um, I either lost the phone. And the weirdest thing that ever happened to me just happened last night. I walked out of a gathering and someone had handed me my wife's phone for a call. I mistakenly stuck my wife's phone in my pocket and. 20 minutes later, realized that I had my wife's phone. Well, I, I, here's the point is, if I had been in contact with three other people, my wife would be the one who would then be told it's time to quarantine. Wow. Wow. Well, it, And your phone would be sending Bluetooth signals, and that's how they would communicate. They say it's all right. encrypted. They say, they say all that. But I said, wouldn't this be a way, too, for if you don't like a person – Go have lunch with them. Set your phone by each other. Then say you tested positive for COVID nineteen because it's a self admitting process, right? We're not giving them access to medical records. It doesn't have to be confirmed. Just say I'm testing. I heard you say that last night in the briefing, and I reviewed the briefing again this morning. And then the thought dawned on me: Would that be an amazing way to completely mess up a major athletic event? Wow. You got somebody playing for the national championship, and, and ten days before the championship, uh, somebody reports in that they've been they've been COVID wow. positive on a, on, a, on a player's phone, yeah. and now they're in quarantine. They can't play the game. For those who haven't seen the circle, I think uh, you need to go see the movie The Circle. It, it's it's on demand. You can you can rent it. But now, Dave, you just opened up my mind to have The Circle too. I mean, what an amazing storyline that would be. Because if you Say you're around that person and you don't like that person or don't want them to participate. Say you test positive. You didn't test positive, but just say you did. So then the phone company goes through and contacts everybody, and the person that you had lunch with that you don't like is now on lockdown for 14 days. And 
And in case you're thinking that that's unfeasible, there's false positives and false negatives all the time. You could say you're positive, do the dirty deed on somebody else, and then turn back and say, I need to be tested again, and say, oh, it must have been false positive, you're clean. And and again, because this is all anonymous, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, the damage is done. The damage is done. It's It's a totally messed up idea. I'm thinking of high school kids. They're never going to go to school again. They're going to be like, yep, I was around so-and-so, and and he's positive, Mom. I'm down. I'm on lockdown for two weeks. Yeah, now we've got revenge. We've got quarantine revenge games going on. I mean, this is just the whole idea in and of itself is preposterous. Now, again, you know, Rob, I want to be careful, which is deadly within 72 hours of someone getting infected. It would be a very, very different uh, conversation. We're talking about a disease that the CDC and Johns Hopkins University have both described as a mild disease of mild symptoms for most people. In fact, the CDC site to this very hour says that testing isn't necessary for most people. Go home and you'll get better. It's not even necessary. So the notion that testing, testing, testing is really about data collection, data collection, data collection, and control. And in many ways, you have to honestly ask, is this just a test run for something that might come along that's more serious or less serious? But once we get conditioned in the idea that we can be tracked and we can trace, then, then how easy is it for the next situation to come along, no matter what it is? And the government say, well, this is an emergency. We need to activate our tracing networks. Well, and that goes in. We talked about testing earlier. Now everyone's screaming for more testing. I don't see a line of people that are willing to daily submit to have six-inch swabs shoved up their nose. Uh, I, I just don't see that happening. <laughs> and the other thing that seems to be completely missed, and I know that there are a lot of people on the front line that are enduring this every single day, as well as putting their lives at risk, and, and I appreciate that. I, 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 who doesn't? Now, they signed up for the job, but they don't have to show up for it, but they continue to show up because their heartfelt mission is health care. And for that, we should all be incredibly thankful uh, and, and supportive. Those people have to be tested. And I would imagine that the, many of them have to be tested every day before every procedure. Uh, well, but is that what people want to do every day, constantly, across all of society? And, and where will those testing mechanisms come from? And, and are you willing to endure that? I mean, all of those kinds of questions, for what reason and purpose? Well, the scientists tell us so we can track the virus. Um, look, I, I don't want to sound like a simpleton, but I got news for you. It's out there. If you're looking for it, it's out there. It, it, it really is out there. You can track it just by looking at the cases. What else do you need to know? We've been at this now since January. For goodness sakes, we know what's going on with million ca- cases what? all over the world. What's the big mystery? Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take some. Look at me acting like the host. I'm going to take some authority, and I'm going to put you on the spot, Dave, if that's all right, and switch gears. We've got to go to break in a, mo- in a moment, so we got a minute to get this in, but I just got a text message. We're going to switch gears and go to Ohio, and um, Ohio just came out with regulations basically requiring the doubling of staff for child cares and cutting the number of allowable kids in half, and there's business owners all over the state now. I'm getting texts from child care owners that are concerned that's not – a logical business proposition anymore do they get out of business do they file suit what do they do when orders are handed down in that way 
we got a minute. We'll go. We'll come back to it. Number one, quarantine reform legislation is absolutely essential, as well as liability legislation. And three, sue them. The governor does not have any right by orders, nor does the director of Department of Health to tell you how you will run your business and put you out of business. That's an order. It's not a law. They don't have the right to do it. Sue them. Well, that's what I thought that uh, the answer would be. I just wanted to make sure and confirm that, and I know that they are listening. That's why I wanted to make sure that we got it on the air and we had the discussion. So what do you recommend folks do regarding H.R. 6666? What should they be involved in? What should they be doing right now with that legislation that's in front of Congress? Well, I know Jim Jordan's on this program a lot. Call Jim and call every other member of Congress that you know uh, in the state of Ohio and tell them to oppose this and then make certain that we call Ohio's two two U.S. senators as well and tell them to oppose the legislation. It is absolutely critical that this bill not pass. Uh, And and for anyone who thinks, oh, there's not a chance of it, no, let me tell you, anything's possible in this environment where people in the political process are so far out of touch with reality. All right. Well, Dave Zanotti, CEO of the American Policy Roundtable, my boss, great guy to work for. See, I'm getting those plugs in. I'm getting them in. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time helping me out when I'm scrambling as the, as the radio host today. So thank you so much. Thanks, Rob. I appreciate all the good work that you're doing. Thank hey, you. thanks. Talk soon. All right. Dave Zanotti, CEO of the American Policy Roundtable. You heard him talking about aproundtable.org, thepublicsquare.com. You can get all the info there. We have one more segment, Derek. One more, right? We can do it. We can do it. We got some callers to take after the break. You're listening to Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks. Welcome back. Final segment. Little final countdown, I guess, if you will. Right, Derek? Oh, yeah. Every day. Every day. Every day. Rob Walgate sitting in for Bob France. Thanks to Dave Zanotti and Jack Windsor for joining us this morning on air. Big thanks to Bob for allowing me to sit in this chair. Always consider it an honor to have the opportunity to talk to his listeners, uh, which are some of the best around the country. And we appreciate the work that Bob is doing, as well as other talk show hosts around the country and helping educate folks when it comes to the happenings of the day of COVID-19 and so many other important issues. We can't let that be a distraction. Uh, I know we have an election coming up in November of 2020. There's been a lot of talk about what that will look like. Uh, There's been a lot of speculation. Will that be all male in voting across the country? I always like to use the example uh, when it comes to the government being in charge of mailing people ballots. Uh, I know some folks that have relatives that passed away. Those relatives that passed away received stimulus checks in their bank accounts or a hard check mailed to them. So if the government can't even give away money properly, do we think they're going to mail ballots to only those that are living or only those that are at a current address? I think it's setting up for a little bit of a uh, recipe for disaster. Got a couple callers. Uh, Tabitha on line one. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I'm an SAS, and I just re- I just finished a report about Bill Gates. He's affiliated with uh, Anthony Fauci and George Soros. He's working on population control. He wants the population down worldwide by 15% at least. He's doing tests. So first of all, he's done some tests in India. 
uh, and they resulted in paralysis and death in children. He was finally banned from India. Right now, he's working with Bangladesh, and they're really not up to snuff the way we are. So he's getting away with a lot. It's a means of sterilization of the population eventually. Um, well, I know, I know one thing. I know one thing when it comes to um, Bill Gates. He's he's directly involved. You're right with some of the development of vaccines. He also has a connection uh, with Dr. Fauci, maybe Dr. Burks, and some of the boards they sit on in Washington that release some of the models. So there's definitely some things that need to be uncovered there. When it comes to vaccines, we have to remember that this, I believe this is going to be one of the most rushed vaccines in the history of our world. There need to be a lot of questions asked regarding it, and we need to take a closer look at that. No no doubt about it at all. Uh, Time for another caller. We have Mary Grace on line three. Good morning. Oh, God bless you. Thank you. Rob Walgate and all the Ohio Roundtable. I know this is naughty, marvelous oh. people. Yes, God they are. Loves us very much, and until you, our God reigns. He will not be mocked. You see, and I give them song too. I protect the children. I'm for those who can't speak. You see, and that's got to stop. They just want to keep killing the babies. Well, I, I know. Um, I thank you for the call. Thank you for all the love and the prayers that you send. It's much appreciated. And, and we do know who reigns, and we do know who is in control. And and um, the Lord Almighty has ultimate authority. We know that over each and every one of us. And for that, we're appreciative. And we have to keep our eyes open. We have to be aware because sometimes um, we can become complacent. We can sit back and we can relax and we can get comfortable. And some would argue that in the United States of America, that's what we've done. We've sat back. We've got happy. We've had a little bit of an easy life. Um, It's amazing to me to hear those. And I always, again, I hate to define things by right, left, conservative, liberal. Uh, I guess there has to be some defining parameters but the ones on the left that seem to be screaming the loudest um, about this, I, I, I want to remind them that we live in the greatest country in the world. There are people that are literally dying to get into this country, that are willing to risk their lives to get in this country because that's how great we have it. And the people on the left also are the ones that are screaming. <laughs> they've been screaming that that Donald Trump is a dictator. They've been screaming that for the last four years. Yet during the COVID crisis, they're screaming that he wasn't enough of a dictator, <laughs> that he didn't do enough. And I'm always confused by that. And it seems to me that we have to be under the realization that the system we put in place, whether it's the state of Ohio or around the country, it's not set up for one person to make those decisions, for one person to do that. We need to have a group of, as a part of the process. We'll be talking to you more, especially about the legislation that's been introduced in the state of Ohio, and we'll we'll talk with Bob about that. Visit us at aproundtable.org, thepublicsquare.com. It has been an honor to be with each and every one of you this morning. Derek, Marcy, thank you for all your help. Remember, be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil by doing good. Enjoy the silence. 